Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. If you're a woman, there's a 75% chance you're deficient in magnesium. And if you are deficient, it can be a problem. Magnesium is critical for supporting a healthy mood, building strong bones, and even moderating your monthly cycle. The good news is, is that women can experience a number of positive health benefits just from getting enough magnesium, including better sleep, more energy, stronger bones, healthy blood pressure, less irritability, a calmer mood, reduced muscle cramping, even fewer migraines. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, health-enhancing effects. But the truth is, most magnesium supplements you'll find in health stores use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or do much to support your health. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress and better sleep, all in one bottle. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and energy levels and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For 10% off and free shipping, use the code JUSTINGREDIENTS at www.magbreakthrough.com backslash JUSTINGREDIENTS. Once again, that's code just ingredients. Candace Birch is a hormone health educator with a master's in health education and over 25 years of experience in the field. In 2017, she founded Your Hormone Balance as a one-on-one -on -one consulting practice and is now joined by her two daughters, Ryan and Jess, who have expanded Your Hormone Balance's reach to women around the world. Candace's background includes working as a health editor, writer, and investigative journalist in London, leading educational patient and provider initiatives for ZRT Hormone Laboratory, as well as spearheading Body and Balance, a hormone testing and rebalancing weight loss program at Metabolic Research Center. Jess Sukan is a board-certified holistic health coach who coaches her clients towards finding a life of bliss, free from fad diets, over-exercising, and burnout. She believes that in order to change our habits, we must address the holistic picture and compassionately investigate how all areas of our lives are interconnected. When she discovered the power of food and lifestyle as medicine, she decided to become a health coach via the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and dedicated her time to helping others find that 2.0 version of themselves. Today, she coaches clients privately and works in partnership with Your Hormone Balance. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, we have guests that have been on the show before, but we had so much to talk about. We didn't get through it all. And a lot of you listeners had so many questions from things that we didn't talk about or didn't go in depth more about. So I have back Candace and Jess, the mother-daughter team that taught us all about hormones to teach us more about hormones and our um, menstrual cycles and menopause and things like that. So welcome back to the show, ladies. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. You were one of our favorite interviews, so we appreciate yes, Absolutely. We are representing the YHB team here, mother, daughter, and then there's Ryan, our little sister who runs the show. 
Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you again for being back. And let's just remind the listeners, or if they haven't listened to that other podcast episode, will you just tell them a little bit about yourselves and how you got involved in teaching others about hormones and our cycles, things like that? Okay, well, I can go first. I always tell the story about getting into the perimenopause years in my late 40s and suddenly getting hit with hot flashes every 20 minutes, which at least 80% of women in that perimenopausal transition will experience, or night sweats where you're waking up soaked and the sheets are soaked and you've got to change your PJs, et cetera. It can be that bad. And I also was having um, mood swings that were, as I always recount, scaring my children. And I just remember, you know, my little one looking at me with tears in her eyes, just afraid of me. And I, I realized at that point that, you know, hormonally, I was in, I was definitely moving into that zone where my hormones were changing. And that's why I was having these symptoms. And interestingly, a lot of women don't really understand perimenopause. They don't really know what's happening to them. They don't know if they're in perimenopause. So my long story short was that I decided to skew my health education as a health educator. I was always focused on just, you know, disease prevention, staying healthy. And I decided instead to start specializing in women staying healthy and sane during this transition. So I started looking around for someone I could learn from and study from and specialize and ended up as um, following resources like Dr. John Lee, um, who wrote the really the Bible, the first book every woman in menopause should read, which is what your doctor may not tell you about menopause. And I actually emailed him and said, hey, I'm I'm a woman in menopause and I'm a health educator and I should know better. I should know this stuff. How do I learn? Can I sit at your knee and study? And and he wrote back and said, well, I'm retiring, but there's a, a very brilliant biochemist cancer researcher in Portland, Oregon, where I live. And he has started a saliva hormone testing lab and he is um, he's there. And so I called him, Dr. David Zava, and ended up being the director of education at his lab for a good 12 years. And in that time, we grew to testing over 2 million people. It is still the largest lab in the country. But at a certain point, I sort of hived off and said, I don't want to sit in meetings anymore and be an executive. I want to talk to the women that we're helping. So oh, awesome. thus began the uh, world of your hormone balance so that we can educate and consult and help women, um, you know, get, get balanced during this very tough time. It's, it's hard to get old in the first place. Aging is a tough one to, to swallow. But when you have symptoms that are disrupting your everyday life, you've got to take action and do something. And so many women really just don't know what direction to go in. And there are many misleading bits of pieces of information that are just crazy making. So that's what, that's why we're here. And Jess is now our, she's a nutrition health coach and she's our, our in-house health coach. So we, we have a lot to offer to women who are looking for answers. I love all the services you have for people and the resources and the education that you give people. And so Jess, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I'm our in-house holistic health coach. I really got into this work. I feel like a lot of people that are wellness practitioners or in the wellness space come into it because not because that was their lifelong dream, but because they had 
you know, some health issues themselves or imbalances that really propelled them into, I always say like, I had no other choice, but to do this work. So um, my history is a little bit different because I really came into this after over a decade of yo-yo dieting. And as a result, you know, going on hormonal birth control and then messing up my hormones, but then also with the yo-yo dieting I did for many years, messing with my metabolism and my hormones. And so coming off of hormonal birth control and experiencing all of these different symptoms and just not feeling like myself having irregular and missing periods and um, just really got into just really going down the rabbit hole, becoming obsessed with research and educating myself on how to rebalance naturally, even though, you know, obviously I had the number one resource at home, my mom. And so after years of sort of rebelling against her advice, I went back home and asked for her to support me in making a safer transition off hormonal birth control, testing my hormones, um, which we now offer via our family business and follow following our rebalancing protocol that now most of our clients follow and was able to get my period back regularly, was able to improve my energy and my libido um, and just felt more like myself. And, and in that time, I also was able to um, improve my relationship with food and reduce a lot of stressors in my life. And, you know, I left my corporate job at the time to go back to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to get my health coaching degree and then join forces with my mom and my sister to help grow the family business. So it all kind of happened serendipitously because she, my mom was, had left her job around the same time that I was graduating from school. And my sister then came on board to help grow the business side. So it's really been, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's been a dream supporting so many women over the years and getting to work as a family. I love your stories and I love that you guys had issues and you were like, let's find answers to these issues. And then you didn't stop there. You were like, let's now educate others about it so they don't have to deal with the same type of issues. So thank you for your passion and helping others. I um, love companies that are out there trying to help support women and people and trying to find better, you know, answers to their health issues. So thank you. You're a family-based company too, aren't you, Carolyn? We, we are. Yep. Super fun being family-based. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And our entire family is obsessed with your protein powder, by the way. Like we- No kidding. Oh, thank you. Yeah. My dad was texting me. He's like, do you have any more of that just ingredients? It's so good. Uh, (laughs) I have the just ingredients facial serum on my face at night. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll have to to send you our new (laughs) strawberry protein that just launched yesterday because it is- amazing. It's made with real strawberries, organic strawberries that we just crushed up and put in the powder and it's delicious. So I'll send you some. Thank you. Okay. Back to now the podcast and our topic of what we're going to talk about. This is what I want to ask you guys about. So on TikTok, on social media right now, and I know this from having a 16 year old daughter, she's shown me a lot of this. I've seen a lot of it. It's very trendy right now to teach the girls what they should do in each phase of their cycle. And they're talking about what foods they should eat in the during that cycle or what exercises they should do. And so I know you guys talk about this as well. And so I want to ask you about all the different phases. But before we do that, will you just remind women what the four phases are and like which days they are so that they'll understand when we talk about each phase? 
Yes, of course. This is definitely my jam. So it's something that honestly, if you're listening as a woman and you're like, oh gosh, I don't even know what any of the phases are. That's okay. I feel like it is a newer phenomenon and it's, you know, it's been around obviously for a very long time, but the cycle syncing is really becoming very hot now. And so um, it's really cool that we get to empower ourselves and learn about these different phases and start to live in alignment with them. So it'll take a few times, you know, you may want to like take some notes or listen again. Um, but it is important to start with the basic. So the first phase is the menstrual phase and that is your bleed week. So pretty much every woman is familiar with that week. I think everybody has a unique experience with it. Um, so that week, that week is, you know, anywhere between about three to seven days, depending on the female. And this is when we're shedding the uterine lining from the previous cycle all hormone levels are at their very lowest during this phase. And then we move into the follicular phase, which begins the day after our period ends. And that phase is about seven to 10 days, again, depending on the female. And this is when FSH, otherwise known as follicle stimulating hormone, increases to help eggs mature in the ovaries and prepare for ovulation. And during this phase, estrogen and testosterone slowly begin to rise. And that can lend itself to better energy levels, improved um, endurance, stamina, sex drive. Um, So yeah, this is a phase where women can feel like, you know, they're coming out of that period cave and starting to feel like they're a little bit more themselves. However, that being said, you know, everybody's experience is different. You might have a great period and feel awesome the whole way, which would be the ultimate goal, but not everybody feels that way. And then the third phase is the ovulatory phase. And this is the phase when we release an egg into, well, let me back up. So we have a peak in estrogen that signals LH or luteinizing hormone, which triggers ovulation within 24 to 48 hours. This is when the egg is released from the dominant follicle, which is the winner of the race essentially. And that's released within an ovary into the fallopian tube where then it can potentially become fertilized by sperm. And this is, you know, high levels of estrogen during this phase prompt our cervix to release this slippery egg white mucus to help sperm along on their journey to the egg. And so that's that cervical mucus that if you were to wipe before you peed, you would see that it's probably stretchy and almost like that egg white that you could stretch between your fingers that shows you that you're in that peak fertile phase. And this is the only phase that we can actually get pregnant. It's anywhere between about three to seven days, about three to six days. We can call it up to seven because you can get pregnant up to seven days because sperm can survive inside of you for up to five days, the one day of obvious up to five days. So there's that one day of ovulation that you could get pregnant. The five days sperm can survive inside of you via that peak cervical fluid. And then that one day after ovulation that you probably want to be safe as well and use protection. So the myth that you can get pregnant every day of the month is just not true. Um, and then lastly, we have the luteal phase and the egg has already been released from the ovary. And then that remaining follicle that the egg bursts from transforms into what's known as the corpus luteum, which is this temporary gland, which is so incredible. And it produces progesterone. So it's only upon ovulation that we produce progesterone. And 
this is the second half of the cycle. It's about 10 to 14 days. I like to break it into the early and late luteal phase. And this is when progesterone really runs the show. There is a peak in estrogen and progesterone in the beginning, but then progesterone really takes over and then both hormones drop towards the end of the cycle. And that's when you will get your period again. But a way that I like to think about it is like the season. So menstrual phases like winter, follicular phases like spring, ovulatory phases like summer, and then the luteal phases like fall. And we can go a little bit more into that as well. Oh, that's a good analogy. Thank you, though, for all those explanations. So let's start with the first phase, the menstrual phase. So you just told us what's happening during this phase. As we know, it's the bleeding stage. So is TikTok and all the social media things out there right? Meaning, are there certain exercises that are best for this phase? And are there certain foods that are best for this phase? Yeah. So I don't exactly know what they're saying on TikTok. I have a TikTok, but I don't scroll TikTok because I feel like I would lose half my life. It's so addicting. (laughs) I did it one day and I was like, never again. But yeah. So during the menstrual phase, we'll start with food. You are obviously losing blood. And so due to that blood loss, you need to replenish zinc and iron because that's what you lose through your blood. And so you want to replenish that through your foods. You can also do it through supplementation, but I always say, you know, foods first. And so red meat is a great way of doing that. Um, you always want to choose grass fed. I think all red meat is definitely not created the same way. So grass fed meat is going to be much better for obviously the animals and for your health and your hormones, because If I told you to go out there and eat any type of red meat to support your iron levels, that wouldn't be wise because so many of these conventionally um, raised meats or all of them are injected with hormones to help the animal grow fat faster, um, get it to market sooner. And we then are ingesting the hormones that the animal ingested. And we're also kind of ingesting the energy, the energetics of that animal. So it's really important that we go grass fed to support our hormones and hormone free meat. Um, you're also going to get higher levels of omega three fatty acids in that, um, organic grass fed meat and omega threes are really important because, uh, our period is a state of inflammation. Yes, it's a natural and healthy state of inflammation, but it's inflammation nonetheless, which is, you know, where a lot of those symptoms can come from, like the the pain that some women experience, the discomfort. And so it's really important that we include a, a lot of omega-3 anti-inflammatory foods. So things like nuts and seeds, walnuts are incredibly high in omega-3s. They're also great. A walnut oil is really good at high heat cooking. So it's a good replacement for an olive oil at high heat cooking, just because olive oil is better for finishing your dishes with, but not cooking at high heat. But then extra virgin olive oil is really awesome as well. Um, And then getting in things like fatty fish and, you know, healthy fats like coconut, making sure that you're getting a lot of protein. And then as far as iron goes, going back to the iron conversation, if you're plant-based, you'll want to look for plant-based sources of what's called non-heme iron. And you want to pair those plant-based sources with vitamin C. For example, kale chips with lemon would be a perfect example of that because it helps increase the absorption of the iron. So that's a little fun fact there. And then flax seeds are really, are really awesome during this phase ground flax. You definitely want to do it ground organic is 
preferential. And that's really going to be great for reducing that inflammation, getting in some fiber and helping um, support reducing some of those symptoms that we can experience around our periods, like the bloating and the discomfort. Um, Also B12, B6 are important for reducing cramping as well as magnesium. And so those are also things that you can find in certain foods like bananas and chickpeas. And as far as magnesium goes, dark chocolate, cacao, um, spinach, things of that nature. And then I will say, because we're in an inflammatory state, you want to reduce anything that can add inflammation. So things like caffeine and alcohol, too much sugar. Um, So, you know, I feel like because it is winter, we're usually feeling a little less social during this time. We want to go inwards a little bit more. It is a good time to kind of dial back on alcohol and going out and getting crazy and maybe just do like a fancy spa water, maybe like a CBD sparkling water. That'll definitely go a long way in supporting a healthier period. So food wise, that's what I would say. As far as movement goes, the first couple of days, listen to your body. I mean, most women are going to feel tired. They're going to feel a little lower energy, um, obviously, because all your hormone levels are at their lowest. You're bleeding. The first couple of days are usually a heavier bleed. So instead of forcing yourself to the same HIIT training workout or going for a run or something like that, unless you feel really good, just try to go light, you know, do some yoga, get some walking in, um, elevate your legs against the wall, which can really help a lot as well. Um, yoga with Adrian is a great resource on YouTube. She has some yoga videos specifically for period pain. Um, and then after that first two to three days, if you start to feel really good, you can add in some more strength training. Um, you can add in some more cardio and actually doing some sprints like running. I like to run 20 seconds and then walk 40 seconds, run 20 seconds, walk 40 seconds, just for 10 minutes. I'm actually going to do that after this podcast. It can help boost human growth hormone and improve inflammation. So that's what I would say for the menstrual phase. Wow. That was a lot of info. That was amazing. Thank you. I'm thinking, dang, yeah, dang, I wish I had known all that back when I was a teen or in my early 20s. You know what I mean? That would have been so helpful for all the years ahead of me. Okay, let's me too. <laughs> before we get into the next phases that Jess is so good at explaining, because for me, that ship has sailed. So I'm, <laughs> but I wanted to give credit to Alyssa Vitti, who wrote the book Woman Code and In the Flow. She is the person that brought, put this idea of cycle syncing on the map, I think born out of a sort of outrage that women are doing, are encouraged to do the same kind of workouts that men do when we have completely, you know, most studies are done on men, women are not studied, the evidence-based medicine is is always ignoring us because we have periods and we get pregnant and we're a pain. So, you know, to to assume or presume that women should be exercising like men is, you know, was was the heart of this new education. I think it's very groundbreaking and game changing. And thanks to Alyssa Vitti, we now understand that, yeah, we have cycles and we should be pairing our exercise and our food and our social behaviors and our stress management with our cycles. Yeah, she's amazing. The book In the Flow is this, I can't remember if it's her second or third book, but In the Flow is a great resource if you want to get really deep into each of these phases. I've learned so much from her. So yeah, great point. And she's the source. Yeah. Yes, we definitely are not. I can't remember who said it, but there was a hormone expert that always says like women are not small men. And it's true because men, they operate on the same 24 hour circadian clock, whereas women as Elisa Vitti 
I believe she coined the infradian rhythm, which is the month long cycle that we experience with our hormones changing every few days. So yeah. I love her stuff and I'm so glad that you guys mentioned her and yes, thank you to her for starting this movement, but thank you then to people like you that are educating others on it. Yes. So let's move to the second phase, which is the follicular phase. So tell the listeners maybe again, just a little bit about that, but then let's talk about the best foods and the best movement for that phase. Yes. So if you think about the follicular phase, like spring, you're kind of coming out of the period cave. You're starting to feel just a little bit more like yourself. Your energy levels are rising. And when that happens, as our hormone levels rise, it's important that we increase fiber so that we make sure to get in those regular BMs so that we're excreting hormones, the gut and liver have broken down. If we're not getting in enough fiber, then we're not excreting those excess hormones, especially estrogen. Estrogen is the hormone that you want to use it. And then you want to lose it. If you're not getting it out of the liver, then it starts to recirculate and wreak havoc on the body and then leads to things like estrogen dominance, which is a whole nother, you know, creates a whole host of symptoms. So, and I interject um, here also, you might be mentioning it, but along with the fiber cruciferous vegetables, Yes, I was going to say that, but but yes, that is definitely super, super beneficial. So cruciferous vegetables contain a compound called DIM within them that helps to sweep excess estrogen out of the body. So I like to think of it kind of like a broom, just sweeping that excess. And so cruciferous vegetables are in things like, or are things like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, Brussels sprouts, bok choy. Um, there's so many fun things that you can do with cruciferous vegetables. I actually just had this, um, this Buffalo cauliflower dish at this, uh, market that I go to and it was so good. And they just made it with like coconut flour and the primal kitchen Buffalo sauce. And I don't even really understand how they bread it, but, um, it was gluten-free. It was all the freeze, but it tasted amazing. So if you're not a huge fan of cruciferous vegetables, there's so many fun and trendy ways now all over TikTok, all over Pinterest to dress them up and make them fun. Um, you can even take like frozen cauliflower and add it to a smoothie and it doesn't add any weird flavor. It just makes it super creamy. So, um, yeah, you know, use a just ingredients, protein powder, add in some, oh, the strawberry protein powder, the new one with the frozen cauliflower and then some nut butter and like a frozen banana. And then obviously like some type of nut milk, or we love flax milk. Flax milk would be incredible during this phase and just blend that all up. And you have a really hormone supportive follicular phase supportive smoothie. So, um, those would be the main things I would say there. And then zinc rich foods are also important to support healthy testosterone levels as that starts to rise. And that's also going to in turn support a healthy libido and sex drive. So things like oysters, beets, I'm a huge fan of pumpkin seeds, dark chocolate. Again, with your dark chocolate, just always make sure that you're going for one that's at least 73% raw cacao. There's a lot of dark chocolate out there that has a lot of, you know, additives and different milks and gums and sugars. So always just turn around the label and look for something that, you know, is more whole food based. Um, but I love the brand who kitchen personally, and then your metabolism is slightly slower during this time. So trying to go for more vibrant foods with extra fiber is going to be the key. Um, definitely not an excuse to cut your calories drastically, 
But if you are feeling less hungry, then yeah, go for things that are lighter, like salads and smoothies. Um, if you're going through like a weight loss phase, like of your life, then this is probably a phase where it's a little bit easier for you. Um, and then each day you can, oh, and then it's okay. So I think that's good for food. Oh, I was going to say you can handle a little bit more caffeine, a little bit less sleep. I'm not saying bad sleep, but a little less sleep. And that is because you are more resilient to stress. Your resting cortisol levels are just naturally lower. So you can kind of, you can kind of get away with a little bit more caffeine. So if you're a matcha lover, this would be the time where like, you could probably do two cups of matcha, right? Or if you're having coffee, just try to pair it with a whole meal versus on an empty stomach, but your body is going to be able to handle it a little bit more. That's actually so interesting about your being able to handle stress better during that phase. That is one thing I actually didn't really realize. Like I know the food and the movement and stuff, but that's really interesting. I'll have to add that to the next phases. What are stresses like on our body? Okay. Yeah, no, it's really, it is really interesting. And I always just like to caveat it by saying like, it's not to say like go crazy and be super stressed out, but as you start to sync your cycle and you start to track your cycle and you know, which phase you're in and you start to look at your habits you'll probably start to see, oh, wow, I am bouncing back better when I have more caffeine. I don't have these like huge drops in the day or when I get, you know, seven hours sleep instead of eight hours or six hours instead of seven hours, I'm bouncing back a little bit faster. You know, I'm not reacting to things maybe in the same way that I would um, in the premenstrual week. Like I'm a little bit more even keeled. So I think, you know, it's, that's why tracking your symptoms in an app, like, my flow or, you know, using an app like natural cycles, things like that. You definitely want to track your cycle and start to know when you move into these different phases so that you can connect how you're feeling with what's going on and then also adjust your habits accordingly. So, yeah. And then for movement as testosterone and estrogen starts to rise, you'll probably bump most likely if you take note of it, notice a little bump in energy and strength. So it's a great time to just slowly add more weight to your strength training, practicing progressive overload style training, which just means that, you know, maybe you go back and you're doing the same exercises as you did last week, but you really intentionally increase the weight or increase the reps or a little bit of both, which is really the best way to see results when you're strength training in general. But during this phase, because you're going to feel more energized and you have more testosterone, it's a really good time to push yourself and try to lift heavier. Um, it's also a good time to try something new, like maybe a dance class, or maybe you've always wanted to try burlesque dancing or pole dancing. I don't know, like have fun with it, feeling more adventurous. (laughs) Oh yeah. Are you serious? Pole dancing is a thing and it's something that, oh, it takes a lot of core and it will get you strong, but, um, I don't, I don't have the guts for it. I don't think, I don't think I'm. I'm strong. I'm worried about your next Instagram post. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. Pole dancing in the follicular phase. (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, Right on. Or whatever works. I mean, hey, but truly, this is a great time just to be adventurous. And that's really what spring is about. That's what these rising hormone levels are about. You're, you know, try it, try something new, increase your cardio gently, of course, typically we don't recommend more than two to three days of high intensity or high endurance exercise throughout any phase of the month, just to be able to support your 
hormone levels and cortisol balance. But because your metabolism is slightly slower during this phase, you can offset it with a bit more cardio and it will be supportive of that. And because you are more resilient to stress, you can handle some more of that cardio and high intensity. So I think that was everything as far as, yeah, as far as the follicular phase goes. That is so fascinating. Okay, so let's move to the third phase, the ovulation phase. So again, just a little bit about what's happening with your cycle at this point. We know we're ovulating, um, but then the best foods and exercise to support it as well. All right. So this is the phase, the only phase where you can actually get pregnant. And so this is your fertile phase, your peak fertile phase. And what you're going to notice as you head into this phase is that your cervical fluid or mucus, whatever you want to call it, starts to get creamier and more abundant. And then, like I said, it becomes stretchier the closer that you are to ovulation. So when you start to see those changes, you definitely want to, you know, use protection if you're not trying to get pregnant um, and really just be mindful of that. It's also really smart to take your basal body temperature throughout the whole month because it's lower during the first half of the cycle. And then it increases by about 0.5 to one degree after ovulation. And when you get that peak cervical fluid and you can and you can also attach that to the increase in temperature, then you know, okay, ovulation has happened. Um, And so you definitely need to get at least three to four high temperature days in a row to confirm the ovulation has already happened because temperature can fluctuate based on traveling or not sleeping well or drinking alcohol. So, but that is those two together, plus tracking your cycle, that's a non-hormonal form of hormonal birth control called the fertility awareness method. And so if that's like a whole nother podcast, but we have a blog post on it. If you type in fertility awareness method on your hormonebalance.com, you can learn more about it, but it's really important point to make. So anyway, we know that estrogen has peaked at ovulation and there's those up to seven days that you want to be mindful or use protection. And then of course, if you're trying to get pregnant, this is a really good time to have the sexy time and be intentional about the days when you do it. So, um, because this is summer that increase in estrogen and testosterone can actually lead us to feel a bit more confidence and more social. And so, you know, just get out there, be a little bit more social, flex your social butterfly skills, go to more events. Again, you're more resilient to stress during this time. So um, you can handle some of those later nights out dancing or whatever you want to do, but just make sure that you're recovering afterwards as well. And so as far as food goes, it's going to be really similar to the follicular phase as estrogen peaks, we want to be excreting it. So we want to be really prioritizing that fiber, those um, gut supportive foods, the cruciferous vegetables. So adding in probiotic rich foods will be important as well. So like sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, um, things of that nature, and then going organic using the clean 15 and dirty dozen list to prioritize your organic versus non-organic produce, um, which really we should be doing all month long. But um, that's another way that endocrine disruptors can kind of sneak their way into our life and wreak havoc. So, you know, you don't have to buy everything organic, but at least getting the dirty dozen, which is the dozen foods that are rated by the EWG every year as containing the highest level of pesticides. So um, that's definitely a little tip there as well. And then zinc, again, zinc-rich foods, backbone for building testosterone. So we can get that in red and organ meats, but also things like sunflower seeds, pumpkin 
pumpkin seeds, avocado, um, dark chocolate. And then B6 is important for progesterone production. And since progesterone um, is taking over after ovulation, we really want to support that through foods like salmon, spinach, um, bananas, chickpeas, organic glyphosate-free oats, and magnesium-rich foods as well. Nutritional yeast is a great source as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you something really quick about seeds? Because you just mentioned a lot of seeds. So you have mentioned different seeds for each phase. So that is part of that whole seed cycling method that you see out there where you are to eat different seeds in each phase to support your health during the phase, correct? Yeah. So we actually used to be pretty big on seed cycling when, and I still love the concept of it, but recently we've somewhat shifted our stance just because we've done a lot of research on it. And although there can be amazing benefits of eating these seeds, rotating your seeds regularly, most reports of seed cycling are anecdotal, which definitely should be taken into consideration. And I think there's, you know, I have a friend who has a seed cycling company that's amazing. And she's had all sorts of testimonials from people improving their cramps and period pain to, um, you know, having more regular cycles. And so you definitely can't ignore the anecdotal evidence. But I think from my experience and actually supporting clients in rotating their seeds, which for those who don't know, seed cycling is just the practice of um, having two different types of seeds, pumpkin and flax seeds, two a tablespoon of each during the first half of your cycle, and then switching to sesame and sunflower seeds, a tablespoon of each during the second half of your cycle. And the idea is that you're getting these different nutrients to support the different phases and what your body is needing during those phases to improve symptoms. Um, but the thing that I've noticed in working with clients to put it into practice is that it can feel kind of overwhelming because you're like, okay, I have to grind, grind these seeds um, or you have to buy them pre-ground, which is a little bit more expensive. And so then if you're grinding it all the time, that is work. And then on top of it, it's like just remembering to add the seeds to every day of eating, which, you know, for women that are doing smoothies every day, that can be easy. But if you're not, then it requires a bit more intention. And I was just noticing a lot of women getting stressed out by it. And since stress is not conducive to, you know, hormone balance, I definitely don't like adding things in that just create more overwhelm. And so I think in short, there's amazing benefits to each one of these seeds, but you don't necessarily need to consume them, you know, so religiously during the first and half, you know, you can only have these two seeds during this first half of the cycle and then only the other two seeds during the second half. If you just rotate all four seeds throughout the entirety of your cycle, you're going to get those healthy levels of those micronutrients and those macronutrients to support your cycle. And I think in short, no matter how you do it, it's going to be beneficial. So I think you have to do it in the way that feels best for you. I love that approach of just rotating them all throughout the whole month. That to yeah. me is what works best. Okay. Yeah, so, that's what I do. It's so much easier. Okay. So let's talk about the last phase because this is the phase that most women hate, right? It's the luteal phase, yeah. PMS, things like that. So let's talk about this phase. Why? Well, what's happening in your body to make people just so hormonal or, you know, those PMS issues during this time? Yeah. So really quick before that, we didn't answer the exercise for the oh, ovulatory whoops. phase. So 
No, no, no. It's totally fine. I'll just do that one really quick because it's very similar to the follicular phase. So again, you're more resilient to stress. Your resting metabolism is slower. So it's a good time to offset that with, this is really that high intensity, like the summer phase, you have all that energy. Um, It's really the time to put it into some HIIT training. If you like HIIT training, and some extra cardio if you like, but again, strength training is really the most hormone supportive type of workout. In addition to restorative movement, like walking yoga and Pilates. So really throughout the whole month, I promote strength training and restorative movement. Strength training helps to increase our body's levels of testosterone, which again, we know what that can do, boost confidence, boost libido. Um, It's also really important as we age, as we go into perimenopause to prevent things like osteoporosis. If we are losing weight and we're not strength training, then we can lose, you know, if we're on a weight loss journey and we're, you know, cutting our calories, but we're not eating enough protein and we're not strength training, then we can lose both fat and muscle, which slows down our metabolism and doesn't give us that body composition that we're really looking for. And it also doesn't support our hormones. So strength training throughout is always going to be the compliment that I would recommend to any cardio that you do. Now, keep in mind, some women feel bulletproof during ovulation and other women feel flat. And that has a lot to do with that surge in estrogen. If you're someone who's already estrogen dominant, increasing estrogen even more could have you feel not the best. So definitely listen to your body, but that's a motivator to get your hormones tested and get to the root of these imbalances. Because if you're not feeling high energy, you don't have elevated sex drive. Cardio is really tough for you right now. Then that's a sign of an imbalance. Oh, I'm so glad you remembered to go back to that because that actually is really interesting. So are we good now to go to the luteal phase? Totally. So luteal phase is the fourth and final phase. It's about 10 to 14 days, depending on the female. We break it into the early and late luteal phase. This is like your inner autumn, your inner fall. And again, or this is not when you can get pregnant. So this is after ovulation. And this is when we move into progesterone, kind of taking over the show, running the show. So The second half of the luteal phase, that's what's known as the dreaded PMS week or the uh, premenstrual week. And what we always like to say is PMS is common, but it's not normal. Bad PMS is not normal. Having fuller boobs, being more tired, not really wanting to crush it with a HIIT training workout, having more sugar cravings, being hungrier, that's all very normal. But having painful boobs where it's like, when someone hugs you or feeling like the wicked witch of the West or um, just not being yourself, screaming at your kids, being really short with, you know, people that you love and uh, just not feeling like yourself. That's what we hear all the time, just feeling off and just feeling like this foreigner in your own body and just feeling frustrated, having these intense cravings that all you can do is think about food and sugar. And it's like, you just want to raid the snack drawer at any given moment. And, you know, for a lot of women, it just makes them feel not only anxious and depressed, but it also can really interfere with their productivity, with their mindset, with their performance at work, with the relationship that they have with their families, um, with their friends. And it's one of those things where I hear from women all the time. Like I just dread 
one to two weeks out of every month. And that's a large percentage of your lifetime. And so I think we just normalize it way too much. And you can go and watch pretty much any show and there'll be a reference to some girl that's PMSing, you know, or just these gross things that you hear like, oh, she's on the rag, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, no, this is not something that we want to normalize. And, and also that we want to demonize women for being these, you know, irrational um, people when, you know, it's our hormones, they're fluctuating. And so if you're dealing with really, really bad PMS and a lot of the symptoms that I've described and you just don't feel like yourself, just know that it's not normal and there's support that you can get. And a lot of that has to do with, um, the drop in, these in estrogen and progesterone. And, you know, if you're estrogen dominant and then you go into the PMS week and you become more estrogen dominant, that just heightens all of your symptoms. And so not only getting to the root is key, but supporting your body with optimal nutrition and movement. And again, listening to your body, not trying to keep up with your male partner or friends, like just knowing that you've got to tune in to what works for you. And so, for nutrition, this is when we are less resilient to stress. Our resting cortisol levels are naturally higher. So we're not going to do as well with caffeine. We're not going to do as well with late nights out and little sleep and a bunch of alcohol and sugar. We're going to really notice it more during this phase. So I know it sounds kind of crazy and it's not always possible, but one thing that I do suggest is if you can schedule your trips and your vacations, not during the luteal phase and try to schedule them during like the end of your period week, your follicular phase or your ovulatory phase. Um, it's going to be best because you're just going to feel better. And, you know, your body is more resilient to those things like traveling, right. And being outside of your routine. And so, um, that is one little tip that can be really helpful. If you're looking at the calendar, I do that now with my husband, if we're doing a staycation, I'll be like, Oh, I don't want to go wine tasting during my late luteal phase. Can we go during my ovulatory phase or follicular? And so now he knows like when we're looking at the calendar, Oh, what, what phase of your cycle are you in for this trip? So that's amazing. Um, that is yeah. amazing. Good for you for knowing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also like training, training those men in your life to know which phase of the cycle that you're in so that they also know how they can support you. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, now it's like, no, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go out and be out late because I'm in my late luteal phase. And he's like, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Totally understand. You know? Can so I, I think communicating can with I your say, partner. Yeah, definitely. Before you go on to nutrition, yeah. can I say one thing about the PMS? Because yeah. I tell my listeners all the time, um, PMS though, if it's bad, that's your body screaming for help. There is no way for your body to verbally talk to you. So it uses symptoms to talk to you. So it's screaming exactly. like, hey, check out my hormones. Hey, check out your nutrition. Hey, check out your detoxing, you know, whatever. Something's going on to cause these terrible PMS issues. So as women, we need to just remember that is our body speaking to us. So let's actually do something about it. But then as you were talking about estrogen dominance, I just wanted to say this also. I just read a study that over 75% of American women are estrogen dominant, with, which that is a lot. So if we have that many women dealing with estrogen dominance, then our PMS issues are going to be terrible. They're going to be more heightened like you talked about. And so just something for the listeners to be aware of. Thank I think you. it's important to add that the, the whole syndrome of PMS 
is really um, we're talking about a lack of progesterone. Um, and that really stems from, as Jesse said, progesterone is produced upon ovulation. And unfortunately, we have so many women whose ovulation is disrupted. There's a, there's a term called anovulation. So you have a cycle where you actually don't ovulate. And that is far more common than we, than we know. Um, this figure you just came up with 75%, that would be probably estrogen dominant during that phase um, because some women don't ovulate. Of course, obviously the main cause would be those women who are on birth control, which for the most part suppresses ovulation deliberately. So we're not producing progesterone, but there are so many other causes of lack of ovulation that, that Jesse mentioned endocrine disruptors. Those are the chemicals in our environment that are in um, you know, the foods that are injected with synthetic hormones, the chemicals in our cleaning products, in our gardening products, in our cosmetics that we slather all over our face <laughs> and that our, you know, the Cosmetic Safety Act hasn't been updated in 80 years. Right. The beauty industry can put any chemicals they want. Um, thank God for companies like uh, Beauty Counter and Thrive that they are making an, an effort to to turn that around and they're lobbying on Capitol Hill. But we women are unwittingly exposed to chemicals that actually duplicate or mimic um, estrogen in a, in a synthetic harmful way. This disrupts ovulation. So there are many reasons. Stress disrupts ovulation, overtraining, overexercise, which is why this discussion about when to exercise in, in sync with your cycles is so very crucial for women. Because otherwise, right. you know, you're working, you're moving towards a disruption of, of you know, the normal ovulation. And, and when Jesse mentioned the corpus luteum, you may ovulate, but you may not form a corpus luteum. There's something called luteal insufficiency. So your tracker is telling you that you ovulated, but you actually didn't produce a, a viable corpus luteum that didn't produce enough progesterone. So that lack of progesterone is what creates an excess of estrogen and an imbalance that then leads to, to PMS, uh, which is so typical of the late luteal phase and, and right before menstruation. And, and just to plug, as we close out uh, Women's History Month, we have a great post up today um, on, I, I want to honor Katharina Dalton, who was a British, the British physician who in 1958 identified this, the premenstrual syndrome. She put the term PMS on the map. She defined it she she found that she she started doing her research because she had migraines all her life and started wondering why when she was pregnant at age 32 she suddenly wasn't having migraines and she started looking at what is the composition of your hormone picture when you're pregnant well you're 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 swimming in a sea of progesterone to support that pregnancy she started looking into that and realized this lack of progesterone caused so many symptoms from heavy, painful periods and to migraines, to, um, you know, to all sorts of disorders that women deal with commonly. And she, she also studied PMS um, in, in saw that the symptoms of perimenopause were similar to PMS because that's when women start, you know, ovulating more erratically and ovulation becomes less reliable. And we can talk about that later. And last but not least, she actually studied women in prison 
who were in prison for violent crimes and defended some 50, was in, appeared in court some 50 times to defend women who had committed crimes of baby battering or manslaughter while they were in the luteal phase of their cycle. Crazy. Um, and proved, proved in many cases that they had diminished responsibility for violent acts if they had been in the luteal phase and had a history of PMS. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. So let's talk more about the luteal phase and let's talk about the food and exercise then that is good for the luteal phase. Yeah. So mom, thank you for all that. That's really, really important for women to be aware of. So in the luteal phase, this is when our metabolism. So progesterone is a thermogenic hormone. So it heats up the body. Like I said, your temperature increases by about 0.5 to one degree. And as a result, your metabolism speeds up as well. So a lot of women will feel hungrier. And I've noticed in working with women, especially that want to lose weight, they just tell themselves, I need to use willpower. I don't know why I'm so hungry. It's super annoying. I'm just going to keep starving myself and, you know, keep trying to stick to this 1400 calorie diet or whatever it is. But it truly, again, is your body's way of being that messenger, like you said, Carolyn, and just trying to, to scream at us to eat more. You know, my metabolism is increasing. I've just gone through this really intense process of ovulation and I need more nutrients. I need to be repleted. And so most women need about, um, actually Lisa Vitti says it's about 300 extra calories during this phase in order to support the body and to support that intense process and the, the metabolism so that, you know, we are able to balance our blood sugar levels so that we have the energy that we need to get through our day. And so it's not your body rebelling against you. It's actually your body having your back. So if you can just add in, I just add in an extra snack during this phase, make some really great protein balls. Um, that's one of my favorites, or like, I love to make a protein latte, things like that, that just give you a little bit more protein and healthy fats to stabilize blood sugar as well, because you can be a little bit more, um, prone to blood sugar imbalances during this phase as well. So things like adding in chlorophyll, milk thistle, beets, those are all going to be important because again, we want to support the liver for appropriate detoxification. And those are some things that can be really beneficial. Beets are awesome. You can bake them, you can roast them. Um, I, I don't have it anymore, but I used to make a matcha beet latte mix that I sold on my website. I do sell superfood latte mixes and I have a cacao one. I have turmeric one, but all of them are really to support hormones. And if you add powders like that into your lattes, you can create these delicious superfood lattes and you add, you know, like a good flax milk, add in a scoop of protein, mix it all up. And it's not heavy. It feels like a treat and you're just giving your body more of what it wants. And when you add in that cacao and things like that, you're also honoring the craving for chocolate and sweets. Our body craves chocolate during this phase, not because it's trying to be annoying, but because it's a sign that we need more magnesium and magnesium is found in dark chocolate. Cacao is one of the richest sources of magnesium in the world. So add it in, honor your body, you know, take a piece of dark chocolate, dip it in nut butter to get some healthy fats and you're good to go. So those are some of the things I would recommend. Also supporting that progesterone production with B6 rich foods. Again, bananas, chickpeas, organic oats, 
um, things of that nature. Um, sweet potatoes. Oh yeah. Sweet potatoes are incredible during this phase. I'm um, making like a stew, tray roasting vegetables. This phase, because it's autumn and then also the menstrual phase, which is winter or like autumn or like winter, it's kind of think about it. Like you're going inward. You want to get cozy. You want warm, more of those warming nutrient rich foods. So making a big stew, um, you know, adding those roasted vegetables onto your salads and your bowls. I think it's really about abundance. It's not about restriction. So again, those, that's what I would recommend as far as food goes. And then for movement, during the second half of this phase is really when you want to start slowing things down. Your body is in more of a breakdown state because progesterone is catabolic, whereas estrogen during the first half of the cycle is anabolic. So it can help with growth. And that's why, you know, heavy strength training and stuff like that is helpful during that first half of the menstrual cycle. Now, during this last part of it, when our hormone levels start to drop off, especially during the premenstrual week, this is when we want to eliminate the HIIT training. We want to eliminate any high intensity cardio and really focus on walking, yoga, Pilates. You can still do strength training, but this would be a week where maybe you don't progress in your lifts. You just lift the same way as you did the week before, or you go a little bit lighter, or you do more rest between sets, or you do fewer exercises. You just, instead of going for an hour, you go for 30 minutes really, really listening to your body is going to be key. If you overdo it with strength or if you overdo it with lifting too heavy or doing too much high intensity, you're going to increase that inflammation. You're going to worsen your PMS symptoms. You're also already hungrier during this phase. So then if you're doing a bunch of cardio on top of it, that stimulates more hunger. So you're just going to be hangry. And because our mood can be a little bit lower um, during this phase, it's also important that we get in enough carbohydrates because serotonin, our feel-good hormone, can be produced from carbohydrates. And then in addition, tryptophan-rich foods, which supports a better mood, like getting in that cacao and that chicken and that turkey, um, is really great. So carbs and protein. So we just talked about carbs and protein that are not only providing nutrients to support better PMS, but when paired together, they help to balance blood sugar and are really important pre and post workout. And so you really want to be mindful of your nutrition before you work out. And then the last thing I'll say on all of these phases, but especially during the premenstrual week is recovery is always going to be key. If you push yourself too hard with workouts and you don't take rest days and you don't sleep well, you're not going to get results from your workouts. You really aren't. I've I've seen so many people that have gone from working out six days a week to working out four days a week and seeing way better results with the four days because their body isn't in this heightened state of stress all the time, um, which can honestly cause your body to go into preserve and protect mode and hold on to the fat that we're trying to lose. And But not only that, you're getting in that restoration time through rest and mindful movement so that your body is able to repair and rebuild. So if you think more is better, it definitely isn't. And again, just during every single one of these phases, listen to the messages that your body's sending you and complement it with what's actually going to support you versus what you've been told you should do or what you feel like you should do, you know, based on maybe what other people are doing around you. It's about focusing on yourself. Thank you so much for all of that information. That is a lot of information. So listeners, go back, rewind, take yeah. notes. 
But I'm just thinking, man, if we had taught this or if we would teach this in the junior high um, schools, could you imagine if girls learn this at a young age, they would be able to support their body so much better throughout this whole process and just feel better. It's so it's a lot of info, but it's easy info. It's like tangible info that they can actually go do something with. And so question for you, if listeners are listening to this is, and they're like, okay, I've got to start listening to my body, but figuring out what phase I'm in is the best thing just to go to one of those apps and start tracking your cycle and seeing what phase you're in. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a combination. Like when you are making changes to your health and your hormones, you really have to be your own advocate and you have to get curious and you have to really prioritize this as much as other things in your life. And as women, we just really need to do a better job, as Michelle Obama says, as of putting ourselves higher on our own to-do list. And so an app like MyFlow, Alyssa Vitti's app, it, yeah, it's MyFlow, F-L-O, it can help you with identifying each of the four phases. So it'll tell you which phase you're in, and then it will give you a brief overview of like foods, movement, self-care. Um, but what I will say is that with any app, including hers, it is only going to give you a prediction for ovulation. I can't tell you how many clients have told me like, oh, I know I ovulate day 15 and I ask them how they know. And they say it's because their app told them, but your app can only give you a prediction based on cycle length. So if you have a 30 day cycle, your app is going to tell you, oh, you ovulated day 15 because that's midway through your cycle, but you don't actually know that you ovulated unless you are tracking your cervical fluid, like we talked about those changes throughout the month and tracking your basal body temperature. So that's why we love apps like Natural Cycles, which my sister, who's our co-founder, she just did a review on it at the Your Hormone Balance Instagram of Natural Cycles, the pros and the cons. Um, There's definitely a lot more pros than cons, but it helps you to, you can take your basal body temperature daily and then you input the temperature into the app, which creates an algorithm, which then tells you your fertile and non-fertile days. So just know that the app is a prediction for ovulation and you have to, you have to do those, take those additional steps to know for sure. Um, and then I would say, yeah, getting the book in the flow, following accounts like ours that talk about it. Also, I will um, recommend my friend Maddie the, um, at the Maddie Miles, Peace Love Hormone. She's incredible. She talks about cycle syncing all the time. She has a great podcast. Um, and then our podcast solo 2.0 that I host with my sister, we've had episodes around cycle syncing as well. So it takes some time, have patience, patience and grace with yourself and just know that it's not going to be an overnight thing. But if you can just literally just gradually, like one thing at a time, add it in, it's, you're going to get so much farther in doing that than trying to do everything overnight. Great advice. Okay, so we are at about an hour's time. And Candace, I have so many questions for you about perimenopause and menopause. And I'm like, ah, this is what happened last podcast. I didn't get to all the perimenopause and menopause questions. So now I'm like, we're just going to have to have a third podcast where it's all on perimenopause (laughs) and menopause. But exactly. But before we wrap up, let's just talk about perimenopause really quick because. We've talked about the four phases, but the next is people that are dealing with these phases within perimenopause. So will you maybe just give a little explanation of what perimenopause is, how they know if they're in perimenopause, and the best tips to help them through perimenopause? That's um, 
It's a good segue because actually I've, I've been asked by women, well, if you're in perimenopause and your cycles are all over the place, how do you do cycle syncing? True. Do you go by the moon and the stars? I mean, or menopause, you know, we can't, we can't track our cycles in the same way. So, um, you know, what's happening there is that it's, it's, it's an inevitable normal transition that we're not going to ovulate forever. Our reproductive lives do come to, you know, to uh, not to a screeching halt, but, you know, gradually over time. In fact, perimenopause is an eight to 10 year period of transition where, you know, I often say the ovaries are kind of packing their bags, but they take a while <laughs> to do that. And in the meantime, um, you know, hormones start to fluctuate. Um, this is when estrogen and progesterone, which are the, you know, the master female hormones that are meant to be in balance, according to those cycles, we've just been talking about, um, the highs and the lows when that all sort of goes out the window and is particularly dramatically different in women who are overtraining, who are living with stress conditions that are not resolved, you know, toxic relationships, jobs that are that are just overwhelming even you know great career success can be stressful we have to sort of find ways to modify the stress in our lives with self-care with time to do the things that bring us joy and relaxation this becomes incredibly important in perimenopause as these hormones fluctuate and as the adrenals start to have to take over that that slack they've got to pick up the slack in hormone production and, you know, as, as I was saying about Katerina Dalton, what she found that the pattern of PMS is very, is similar to the patterns that we see in perimenopause, because we're talking about this down slide of progesterone. Progesterone is actually the first hormone to really start to plummet, to noticeably decrease. It's not as much the estrogen, because estrogen is made in fat cells, estrogen is in the environment, there are so many sources of estrogen, we don't necessarily get that low in estrogen. In fact, we're more likely to get become estrogen dominant. Why? Because progesterone becomes low. Why? Because we don't ovulate every cycle, which is normal in that transition. And women will say, well, I don't know, my my bleedings become so irregular. My peer, my last period was two months ago. I've got belly fat, you know, I'm, I'm so crabby. Uh, some women have described Jekyll and Hyde symptoms, you know, where it's really, they don't like themselves. They don't like who they see in the mirror. They're, you know, as I say, the, it, it's, it's kind of this, um, as I described myself, you know, if everybody was cold in the house, because I was opening all the windows, um, because of my hot flashes and night sweats, which by the way, are one of your first clues that you're in perimenopause, you start to as these hormones fluctuate, you start to have these, you know, these flushes, and you start to, you know, you go from a hot flash to a night sweat to, feeling hot, feeling cold, and and your moods sort of travel along the same way. Your periods will change. Um, that's your first clue. They may get heavier. They may get lighter. They may go missing. You may find that, you know, what I often hear from women in, in perimenopause is, I don't know what's happening. I'm doing the same thing I've always done. I'm exercising the same way. I'm eating the same way. But really, 
I often find, and I'm sure Jesse does too, that actually women who are starting to get a little pooch in the belly because that preserve and protect survival mode is coming on and the body's trying to hold on to some fuel. These women are getting desperate. They're over-exercising. They're spinning every single day or they're lifting two weights that are too heavy just because they're desperate to lose that extra weight or they're, you know, they're finding they're not sleeping. And instead of, uh, you know, taking time to calm down before bed, they're on their cell phone or they're on their computer, which disrupts melatonin and just adds to the whole thing. They may, may find that they're tired and wired. So I'd say knowing that you're in perimenopause is noticing the change, not fighting it, not resisting it, but knowing that like you said, Carolyn, you know, your body is messaging you. It's it's your friend. It's trying to give you a clue that, hey, it's time, just like with these changes and these adaptions to our cycles and sinking in with them, now it's time to sink in with this transition and to go gentle on yourself and to say, okay, this is a time of, you know, varying hormones. I don't want to be on the roller coaster and you know the extent to which you are on the roller coaster is the extent to which your your hormones are out of balance because of stress because you're under eating to lose weight you're restricting protein and good fats you know you're overdoing it on all ends and and let's say i mean frankly a lot of women in perimenopause which is really begins depending on stress levels can begin in the late 30s it really should begin in our mid 40s but we're seeing more and more women with, you know, lowering progesterone levels in, you know, at, still in their 30s. So, you know, this is just, it, it's just a phase that we have to kind of recognize as per our symptoms and be, and be more cognizant that this is the time to put on the oxygen mask. This is the time when we need to do all these things, all these things for all four cycles that Jesse's talking about. The good foods, the good protein, the self-care, I often ask people, what do you do for fun and enjoyment? Make a list of the 10 things you love most to do in all the world that bring you joy. But the kicker is when go back through the list and note when's the last time you did any of those things. So many people are not, you know, women are notorious for taking care of everyone else. And as I started to say, many women in perimenopause during these years, they have a high level career. They've got kids. They've got aging parents. You know, it's the classic sandwich generation. So take being being kind to yourself during this time and not being at odds with yourself or resisting. We know when we resist things that always the pain is always worse. But if you sink into and acknowledge it and become more conscious of what your body needs during this time, perimenopause doesn't have to be a, a nightmare. And, and it sets you up for a better menopause too. These things, these periods in our lives are inevitable. They're not, we're not going to get out of it, but we can get through it and we can get through it with grace and and even feel, you know, empowered by by taking control of the change in our lives and making changes at that, you know, using it as an excuse to say, hey, I don't care what people think so much anymore. Right. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop just getting on my computer every day and trying to get my finances in order. I'm going to take a watercolor class. I'm going to leave the house right now because I'm I'm really done in with all these details and go take a walk. There's nothing that walking can't cure. Right. So, you know, that's so, but I, I have to say, I, I am surprised how many women don't uh, don't know that they're in menopause and it is a kind of wobbly time. 
but I'd say first symptoms are the change in your periods, the hot flashes and night sweats. Those are, those are the most prominent sugar cravings and sleep, uh, sleep issues because cortisol, cortisol stress hormones can tend to take um, prominence when progesterone is dropping. Progesterone balances cortisol, cortisol so, and, and feeds the adrenals. So when progesterone is down, the stress hormones can go up. So that makes it even ever more important to provide yourself with tender, loving care during the transition. Yeah. And if our adrenals are having to work extra hard and our cortisol is, you know, up, we need to really just nourish our body with good foods as well. Right. We don't need to worry so much about the phases and what foods to eat in the phases. I feel like if you can't track right. track it in perimenopause very well, then just yeah. nourish the body every day with those good whole food things that are full of uh, nourishing vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, fiber, things like that. Correct. A single thing that Jesse talked about, you know, what the, it can't hurt to have some flax seeds and some sesame seeds and the things that provide magnesium that we, we become very low in as we get older. You know, most people are low in magnesium. Um, you know, just the nutrient dense foods, complex carbohydrates that provide so many minerals and vitamins and fiber. So important getting in enough protein. If you're not, if you don't like to eat red meat, get, use some just ingredients, protein powder. It's delicious. I put it together with athletic greens, mm. um, that wonderful, uh, powdered, I put some maca powder in there, some beet powder, some, you know, a good fat of coconut mana, or I put in Jesse's <laughs> latte mixes. There's so many ways to get a good meal out of it. And to do that, I think women in perimenopause also need to eat more regularly because blood sugar stability becomes extra super important during these times. So right. yeah, there's there's much we can do. And that's part of our education um, with, with your hormone balance, because I would say the majority of the people we test are those women going into this period of their lives and suddenly everything is seemingly falling apart. Right. And and they need guidance that you can have a good perimenopause. You can pull this thing together. You're it, you know, you're the captain of the ship and we can do this. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I feel bad that I didn't during my whole description of all the different phases for every phase in life. Blood sugar balance is the key to hormone balance. So always pairing your carbs with proteins and fats. We always say, you know, dress up those naked carbs, or at least that's what I say. Um, so instead of having, you know, a banana by itself, pair that banana, you know, in a smoothie with protein powder and nut butter. It's not about restricting carbohydrates or restricting whole food groups. It's how you pair them. So protein, fat, fiber, and carbohydrates always together. That's going to go such a long way in supporting your blood sugar balance, supporting your hormones and supporting symptom um, improvement as well. Right. That's key. Thank you so much, both of you, for all the information that you have shared today. You have shared so much information. But Candice, like I said, I have so many questions as to why the night sweats and why the fat around the belly and what do we do for this? And what about HRT, hormone replacement therapy and bioidentical hormones? We had a lot to talk about. We didn't get to. So let's do a third one where we answer more of the menopause, perimenopause questions, if you're OK with that. Three times the charm okay. <laughs> on podcast yeah. because there's so much to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Thank you so much. Will you ladies tell my listeners where they can get more information from you? Yes. So I'll do the little spiel. So if they're interested in testing their hormones, getting to the root of imbalances, you do that through our saliva kits, which you can test from the comfort of your own home. We have your build your own rebalancing um, packages. And so you can actually use the code just ingredients 50 for $50 off any of our build your own test kit packages. And you can add on a customized guide. So that way you get nutrition, exercise, lifestyle, um, supplementation recommendations based on your unique results to help move the needle towards optimal balance. And then from there, you can even add on a call with my mom to really go into depth to review your results or add in a call with me to really hone in on the lifestyle and the nutrition and the cycle syncing. So lots of different options there as well as a la carte um, packages too. So that's at yourhormonebalance.com. And then you can also find us on Instagram at Your Hormone Balance. You can take our symptom quiz there as well that will help you get a clearer understanding of whether or not the symptoms you're experiencing could be related to hormonal imbalance. And then if you're looking for more support in regards to just having month-long accountability, improving symptoms, losing weight sustainably, or just you know supporting weight maintenance, I do one-on-one online hormone coaching and you can get a free discovery call at bodyblissbyjess.net. So those are all the ways to keep in touch with us. I'm at bodyblissbyjess on Instagram and we truly are so grateful for you and your community. And we honestly are such a big fan of all the products that you have and the work that you're doing. It's just incredible. I mean, we had people reach out so many people reach out afterwards, just being so excited, not only about the episode, but also about what you do. Like I have a friend in the clean beauty space who was like, oh my gosh, you were on Carolyn's podcast. She's the OG. Like she's such an inspiration to me. So we're really grateful for you and your community too. Yeah, Because you've been out there way before a lot of other people were talking about in the importance of protein and, and getting clean ingredients. You're one of the pioneers. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for your <laughs> kind words, you guys. And I mean, I say the same, though, about you guys. Thank you for being passionate about educating others and helping them to feel good, to live a happier, healthier life full of energy. So thank you for what you do. And thank you again for being here. But before we wrap up, I always ask my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? Well, I can, I would like to, I guess I would say, I always say humor and not taking yourself too seriously, but I also think that um, as per the adult, the Harvard Adult Development Study, which is the longest running study of happiness, what it showed was that relationships and nurturing relationships is the key to happiness. So I think for the answer this time, for the second time round, I think I probably said humor the first time I'd say this time relationships and nurturing your relationships. That's an interesting study. I love that. Yeah. I might have said the same thing in the last one, but it's my word of the year. And it's really what I'm trying to align my life by. And that's abundance Mm -hmm. and just abundance in our food abundance, you know, versus the restriction mindset. I think there's just so much out there telling us what we shouldn't have. There's a lot of fear mongering. And I really like to come at it from a perspective of look at all of the things that we can have and that we get to enjoy. And Honestly, you know, you are in the driver's seat and you get to choose the abundant lifestyle that you have. And so abundance in our food choices, abundance in experiences, abundance in laughter and love and success and finances. Like I am just really trying to align my life with abundance. And so that's my word. 
I love that word. That is a great word, something we can all um, think about and really add abundance into our life, whether that is the nutrition or the relationships. Abundance is just a great word. So thank you again, both of you for being here and listeners go check out their um, Instagram, go check out their resources that they have. And thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram. 